Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. And Arzu's brother, Aman. Hi there. <laughs> so we have a very special episode for you today. We'll be talking about the first four episodes of the half-hour animated show, Stargate Infinity. Never heard of it? You are not alone. Decision premiered on September 14th, 2002, was written by Michael Edens and directed by Will Munoz. Double Duty, The Best World, and Coming Home were all written by Paul Francis and Michel Trouillet and directed by Serge Ciceroni, Pascal Gogri, Bernard Legault, and Will Munoz. They premiered on September 21st, 28th, and October 5th, 2002, respectively. If you want to watch this show, Con TV has the broadcast rights, so you can subscribe directly with them or through Prime. You can also use your own methods of viewing and feel free to DM our podcast Twitter if you need help finding it. So I had never heard of this show before doing research for this podcast since it got (laughs) dismal ratings (laughs) and was canceled after one season. The creators of SG-1 have said that they don't personally have any problems with the show, but that it's not considered canon, which I think is a very wise stance to take. Diplomatic, but honest, Mm -hmm. since this show is a bit of a flaming dumpster fire. Just a little bit. (laughs) It has a score of 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Only one critic review by Sarah Bosley, which reads, Stargate Infinity is a very poor excuse for an animated series. About one step above the Happy Little Elves videos that show up in The Simpsons from time to time. (laughs) Oof. (laughs) I was looking up the lyrics to the theme song, which is fabulous. And <laughs> I found this comment on wordforge.net by user We Are Borg. No matter how big of a Stargate fan you are, if you ever come across this show, do not watch it. I feel tainted having just watched one episode. Just to be sure, I removed the hard drive that contained the remaining episodes from my computer and destroyed it. You have been warned. <laughs> so this show was co-produced by DIC Entertainment and one of their French subsidiaries which only produced six shows in its seven years of existence, all of which were canceled after one season because of terrible ratings. Infinity is targeted towards children aged six to 12. So there's some kind of moral lesson in every episode. And that definitely tracks because I can't imagine any adult willingly watching it. No, not willingly. (laughs) Yeah, of course not, no. So needless to say, we're going to be roasting this show pretty hard. Although Armon apparently thinks it's so bad, it's iconic. Every frame is literally like a work of art, and we will get to that. Yeah. I he had a great it. time. Oh my god, it's like <laughs> the Cats 2019 of TV shows. It's no. <laughs> I feel like as long as you go into it expecting it to be bad, you're gonna have a great time. Okay, replace that B with an R. It's absolutely rad. I don't know. We're talking about all this bad stuff. Um, sorry to derail this, but I'm looking up <laughs> Le Studio Text, the uh-huh. French subsidiary. They did Sonic Underground oh, and Archie's my. Weird Mysteries, which okay. We're both excellent shows. The Sonic Underground songs. in particular. Iconic theme song. So I don't know where this came from, <laughs> but those two were great. Anyway, I yeah, just wanted to jump canceled, in. Though. I know, but they sense. were good. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Like, People was, just have no taste. The studio was ahead of their time. They yeah. were. People Avant-garde. have no taste. <laughs> I mean, with this show, there's no taste to be had, but with the other shows... <laughs> All Look, right. Arza, Infinity doesn't need your tired tropes like pacing and character introductions. They just dive into it, and you got to respect that. Do I? I don't <laughs> think I do. I think I'm outnumbered today. All right, well, let's get into some summaries. Um, we'll do a little bit more detail than usual in case you haven't been able to watch the show. 
Ours, if you want to get us started, we can jump in as needed to help <laughs> oh, you out. <laughs> okay, so I didn't take notes for the first two episodes because I was too traumatized. That's fair. But the gist of the show is that there is this team, like our SG-1 crew hopping planet to planet, but they're all very much the late 90s, early 2000s stereotype. So we have the team led by Gus Bonner, who is who used to work for SG. Um, we have his niece, Stacy, Seattle, who is an indigenous woman who can talk to animals because we are just rolling with the stereotypes today. Yeah. We have Harrison, who is our himbo hero. <laughs> himbo hero. <laughs> and we've got Echo, who is essentially the teal of the group. Yep. He's a faceless green alien. Tragic. With a tragic backstory that yeah. I guess we get into. So as for actual episode summaries, I think one of you is going to have to help me out because I genuinely okay, was so scarred. Basically, we're starting this episode learning about this SG member, Gus Bonner, who was leading some missions off world and somebody framed him for a crime that he did not commit. And he's he has a trial, but he doesn't necessarily try very hard to defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> just a lot of platitudes and not any I'm innocence. I mean, he literally he just says like I didn't do this and that's it. No, like you're guilty. He took what limited time he had on the stand to just hammer home the point of the message and the point of the episode, you know, trust yeah. your instinct and just go with it. Like he took that limited time to free himself oh to just God. repeat the message of the children's show. It was fantastic. Right. And his niece Stacy had zero faith in him because she was immediately <laughs> like, oh, he's guilty. Rightly he's guilty, so. Guilty. If your entire defense is I didn't do it, <laughs> rightly so for Stacy to think he did. <laughs> you have no faith in your uncle like that? <laughs> I mean, when he's acting real guilty. Yeah, well, okay. So we've got that situation going on and then at the same time in some like sub-basement um, they're, <laughs> they're investigating this um, sarcophagus that has, it, they think it has a mummy in it and it turns out it has a, like a little worm in it and then they, they like x-ray it the worm gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it breaks out of the mummy it's very confusing and this worm is not a gold no it's not a gold it's a different worm just worm <laughs> that gets exponentially bigger in like two minutes <laughs> I like how a lot of the shots just emulated Alien as well. Like you both noticed that or no? I like think the chestburster scene. Alien. Oh my goodness! I haven't seen hilarious. Alien either. Again, excellent show. <laughs> but Alien, I'm sure, is excellent. Stargate Infinity, I'm not so sure. Iconic. Okay, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so this little alien worm jumps out, and so we have Seattle Montoya, who is the Native American who can stereotypically hear its thoughts because she was raised on the reservation and they taught her how to do that. That's apparently what they do. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I feel like if Echo is Teal's stand-in character-wise, they're like, oh, we still need a person of color on the team. We better throw somebody in there. <laughs> I will give them credit for not thinking person of color and alien are interchangeable. That's true. Some sci-fi things do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Episode four. Okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll get there. So we have these two things happening simultaneously. Gus Bonner trying to figure out what he's going to do with himself now that he's been convicted and 
Seattle and Harrison, I think, or find this alien that's like on the loose and they're trying to save it because there's some like lizard aliens. That, <laughs> yeah, that, just, there sure are. I just put lizard wizard because they all had staffs and lizard wizard. That's what I put in my notes. I have no idea what else to call them. <laughs> I think the one good thing I can say about the show was they realized that because it's not live action, they could have weird looking aliens and they had the budget for it because it's all animated anyway. Mm-hmm. Like in the live like action the- shows, everyone has to look like a human because they don't have the budget for these weird costumes. Yeah, they like drop the budget on all the um, on all the Jaffa, so only the first Prime gets a fancy gold head thing and everybody <laughs> yeah. else has like Sharpie on their forehead because yeah, yeah. they didn't have the money for it. As, so. much, as much as we're dunking on the show, I really think the character design is actually kind of cool. Like the lizards, the way they were mm-hmm. walking, yeah. I thought that was pretty rad. Because it's animation. Yeah. They can, they yeah. can go further with it. And they it. did Sonic Underground. So. And they did Sonic <laughs> Underground. So these lizard aliens come through. They're called the Tlacon. And they come through the Stargate, they're trying to take over the SGC, and basically our main cast gets thrown together in the heat of the moment. This is not a planned group that is going through the Stargate on missions. This is people who happen to be in the gate room at the same time when these lizards were invading, and ended up going on a mission together just by happenstance (laughs) and just shooting right through the stargate and their humvees yeah they very conveniently have like two like a big rv type thing Mm -hmm. uh, or atv type thing and like a motorcycle and a flying apparatus different toys you can sell the kids they're also at first i was like how are they going to keep powering these things like they're going to run out of gas and then i realized they actually have like battery packs I'm like, okay, but then how are they charging the batteries? I'm so confused. Again, the people the who created pop- the show were prophetic. Okay. With that's, the power again, of their own energy and their own conviction. Of teamwork. I don't know. <laughs> teamwork and love. That's how they charge it. Yeah, but essentially every time they go, they travel through the Stargate, they literally roar through the Stargate at like 60 miles an hour. I have, with no regard for what's on the other side. I haven't really seen the original show i only seen the movie but do they always have like an electrical guitar accompaniment whenever <laughs> they rip through a stargate Is no there's the like a, there's like a woo, 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 and then like in the early episodes they'll fall through the stargate and they okay. get really cold their faces will get frosty yeah and then they didn't have the budget for that anymore no, so yeah. they just walked they, through they explain yeah. that though because gus bonner just looks at it and he's like i've been through so many of these stargate like he just says it to himself he's so proud of it and i then know later on, but we- <laughs> We get gate leg, which is one of my favorite lines of the episode. <laughs> she had gate leg. Is that what we're calling it when their faces frost over? I gate guess leg. so. That frostiness. That's gate yeah. leg for you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I love this show, unironically. That's that's why we had to have you on, because like we're like, this is awful, and you're like, this, this is, is amazing. Great, like, oh my gosh. So <laughs> I need this on Blu-ray. If you are a Stargate Infinity Stan, you have a friend in Armand. <laughs> <laughs> all one of us out there <laughs> all, all one of you out there oh no so okay, to kind of wrap up the general plot of this show they follow the Tlacon through the Stargate to their home planet to rescue this worm creature that they just discovered and to chase off the Tlacon and so now the Tlacon are chasing them because they want this worm creature and they are somehow able 
to track them through the Stargate, which is not possible according to canon. But they're somehow able to do it in the show. The Tlacon track their movements through the Stargate and from planet to planet, no matter where they go, they follow. This is the future. <laughs> so that's that, how they're able to track that them. Is the premise. So the premise of the show is running from the Tlacon, trying to figure out a way to get it back to Earth because their iris codes don't work anymore. They're being locked out. And Gus Bonner wants to prove his innocence to be determined if yes. that happens. <laughs> yes, we'll find out. Speaking of proving innocence, at the end of the episode, he basically... Which episode? The first episode. Okay. He commits domestic terrorism. Oh, my God. And just blows up one of the Stargates with a smile and a wink to the audience. And I thought that was kind of funny. Because, I mean, it's Gus Bonner. He can get away with it, right? He blows something up and you're like, that's funny? It's hilarious. Like, it's like, it's so dark. Because it's just like, like again, Stargates. It's these, like, again, I'm speaking completely from the first movie and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's these beautiful structures and, you know, you treat them with respect and, you know, you go through it and, oh, I feel a little nauseous. I have gate leg, whatever it is. And then he just puts a bomb on it, winks to the camera, says, you got to do what you got to do, essentially, and just blows it up. Yeah. Well, what you will learn if you ever do decide to watch Stargate is how little respect the SG teams have for stuff when it's convenient for them to not respect it. Or for each other, which I will get into later. But... But Amy, it does seem like there's less reverence in this show for the Stargate itself. Yeah. Maybe that's because, so this show is set 30 years in the future from the beginning of the SG-1 show. So okay. like five years from now. Yeah. So oh, wow. it's set in 2027. <laughs> yeah. So we're, yeah, we have a lot of technological leaps to make uh-huh. in the next five years oh, boy. <laughs> to see this through. Where's my Echo? I want to know. <laughs> Would you like to describe what Echo looks like? Echo is a giant, broad alien with no discernible face. <laughs> but he's got like he's got like one eye in the middle of his head. I don't know. I don't remember. And he has a mouth. He has a mouth, but like his eyes are not where eyes should be. <laughs> um, if he has them at all, I'm kind of drawing a blank. So it's that. All like spindly limbs and broad chest and very teal energy. So really, it's the teal energy that's okay. okay so he, he does, does. He does. He has a eye. single jewel bright eye in the middle of his face, and like a weird bug mouth. <laughs> it's like a pentagon. Yeah, it's it's quite something. But um, oh, and when he's upset, he can grow spikes out of his body. Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Grumpy, pointy man. Yeah. Anyway. And yeah, he looks like he's like maybe seven feet tall. Yeah, we like a seven feet tall guy. (laughs) Doesn't matter if he's spiky. Oh, and we do learn more about him. And I think it's like episode three, four, four. So, okay. Episode four. Um, it's, it's Gus Bonner's birthday, right? It's somebody's birthday. No, it's Harrison's birthday. Harrison's birthday. birthday. So it's Harrison's birthday and they're celebrating and I almost called him Teal. And Echo has this like thousand yard stare with his single jewel eye and you're not sure why at first and then it cuts to a flashback of his childhood with his like alien mother and his human father in their empty house where like nobody showed up to his birthday party it's very sad it's very sad and he's like sitting there alone with a little hat on and he's got like a cake and you know that's comforting him yeah and like it's rough enough when you see this happen to like a human child but this expressionless alien child (laughs) 
which I don't understand children because like if they're about our age, given that this is five years from now, I don't know what kid in the 90s wouldn't want to go to an alien's house party for a birthday party. Like the least realistic thing about this show. It's a little red t-shirt for me, like when he's sitting there and it's just touching him. He's sitting there with <laughs> and, his little yeah, hat and his he's shirt. got his little he's got this little red t-shirt on and his mom's like wearing human clothes, but then Echo is walking around like as an adult with the SG team with no clothes on. Yeah. So I wonder <laughs> that made the flashback really weird. So it's like, why was he wearing clothes as a child? But now was it like an assimilation kid? attempt? I, I'm assuming so. Like, yeah, look, no one will notice that. Right? No, like to sort of behave normally so the okay. kids aren't like he's naked. But like that's not working. So he's like, F them kids and just stop wearing this clothes because he's not going to fit in anyway. He embraced his true self. He embraced yeah. his true There's self. You got to be everywhere. yourself. This is the yep. greatest show. Anyway, it was extremely tragic. Although we do get to see his home planet and he's still called, what is it called? Like a half, a half breed, I think. Something like that. He's, he's looked down on it's for brutal. being half human. Because he has four fingers instead of three. Yeah. That was one thing I found really weird about the show, though. Like, they're just throwing out these really weird slurs. Like, they're calling him the half-breed in the third episode. They're dropping... I'm not going to give it with, without the context. I don't want to say it. But it's just, whoof. Like, a lot of these weird things. Mm-hmm. So, Stargate as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not that it's racist. <laughs> of course not, no. But it's very... Um, in their attempt to be well-intentioned, can sometimes overcompensate in the other direction. Right. And I feel like this is that. Where it's like, I get what they're going for, but what we've got are cartoon characters shouting made-up slurs. Harrison goes against the Geneva Convention in the third episode within like the first five minutes. He destroys the place of worship. Remember, he topples over this giant rock and he's like, oh, it's just the rock, who cares? And it's like, they're worshipping it. And then he starts calling them slurs. So (laughs) there's something here about Stargate being racist. I don't know. I mean, okay, let's talk about the mud <laughs> monsters for a second. Oh um, well, do we want to go back? Go back and do the episodes in order? Yeah, we should do yeah. that. Sorry, it's a lot. <laughs> we should definitely go in order. The show defies logic. I feel like we mostly covered everything from episode one already, um, with the exception the of bad guy. the there's the a guy in the SGC who is an alien who looks like pink goop. And <laughs> he has the ability to change his appearance to look like anybody. And so he's impersonating some, I don't know what his rank is necessarily. I don't know if he has a rank. His name is Nephestus. It's just a great name. Dr. Grimes. That was the guy. <laughs> Dr. Uh, Grimes. Yeah. Which guy? The Our, guy he's impersonating. Dr. Grimes is the person he's impersonating. No, it's Nephestus. Nephestus is the guy, but he's impersonating Dr. Grimes. Oh. The evil guy when he okay. like tears open his face okay. in the children's cartoon. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So Nephestus, who's impersonating Grimes, um, is the one who set up Bonner and framed, framed him for the crime. And it's all in a ploy to help the Tlacon take over the SGC. And we mostly only see him in the first two episodes. Yeah, because I am drawing a total blank on this guy. He's pink goop. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, as soon as you said pink goop, I'm like, right. Monologues all the time. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> he loves a good monologue. But yeah, I mean, I feel like we pretty much covered the first episode that these people get kind of thrown together and go through the Stargate and they're like, well, that was interesting. Oh, the worm's <laughs> name is Draga. I don't think we ever said well, that. Well, we haven't introduced, she hasn't even hatched yet. Right. But if when we get there. Oh, I guess one thing I can mention from episode one is 
this worm thing. Draga. Which has not yet been hatched in name. That's not her actual name. Um, the Tlacon are hunting this worm creature because they think it is an ancient, which if you are familiar with SG-1 is I burst out into laughter because that is a very well-established alien race in SG-1 who are extremely humanoid and have nothing to do with these worm creatures. Um, but I, so I was looking into it, wondering if, because like the, the ancients don't really come into SG-1 until the later seasons. And so I was like, well, I wonder if they hadn't yet introduced them. And the first time we actually get to see an ancient in SG-1 is in season six. And that aired the exact same year as this show. So since we had not yet seen an appearance of this alien race in SG-1, then this animated show just ran with it. And we're like, let's just make up what they look like. It could be anything, I guess. <laughs> they were doing the humanoid on one side and the bug on the other side. And they want to see which one sticks. Yeah. So it's still weird on its own, but it's even weirder if you've seen SG-1 and know who the ancients are. So then we, when we get to episode two, this worm actually hatches. There, It is a... I would say woman-coded creature. We mm -hmm. don't know for sure if she's a she, mm -hmm. but certainly looks and sounds like one. Um, and she, well, she's orange, and she has wings and a tail instead of legs. Because she's a worm. <laughs> um, Very famous voice actress, too, which is hilarious. Yeah. Remember uh, Dot Matrix from Reboot? Oh, I'll die. Yeah. Fun little <laughs> fact. Shout out to Kathleen Barr. Your show is amazing. Aw. And uh, what's kind of funny is as soon as she hatches, she forms like a mental bond with Seattle because of course. <laughs> because of course she does. <laughs> and, and she like downloads some or all of Seattle's brain. And that's how she learns English. Except that I guess the download doesn't go very well because her English really sucks. <laughs> the Wi-Fi was a little slow. <laughs> because she speaks English like a three-year-old, basically. And not, well, even, not even that well sometimes. Well, how, how else are we going to know she's an alien? But I mean, these other aliens speak English just fine. I know, but like Echo's got the teal school of overly formal English. Yeah. And then there's like the... There's, there's two kinds of English in Stargate for aliens. There's the overly formal English and the, I just learned this English. Yeah. And then there's that one, was it the Knox or was it somebody else who like didn't speak a word of English? Yeah. And then five minutes. And then language. we're like speaking like three-year-olds yeah. for about a minute. And then we're suddenly like fluent in English. Yeah. yeah. That was the Knox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, I mean, but if you're going to download information from somebody's brain, why only partially? She <laughs> have enough room. Sense. <laughs> yeah so i um i lost my mind when i saw her hatch because i was like that is not what an ancient looks like but okay <laughs> not with that attitude <laughs> who wants to talk about the locals on this planet that they Oof. first go to episode two armand does <laughs> why do i want to talk about because you love this show oh my god okay so locals show up they come out screaming at the crew wait episode two no that's the one with the gerbils isn't it maybe 
Episode one, they escape. Episode two, they're the gerbils. Episode three, they're on the planet with the muck monsters. And then episode four, it's they go to the homeworld. Yeah. You see, this whole show is just that good. I think it's the hard-coded, what was it, Czech subtitles? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the copy we found. Yeah, this, I think, Chelsea, you looked it up. I think this is only available in, like, PAL region DVD 2 in Yeah, Europe. I'm not sure that there's even any U.S. region DVDs available for it. You can find it on... Um, uh, if you're properly motivated. Yeah. yeah, you can find it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep it legal. But yeah, well, the first creature that we saw on this planet was the giant bugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, giant bugs. And then... The um, sloth creature thing. Yeah, a giant angry sloth. And when I say giant, I mean 100 feet tall? It was pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> Too eats, big. One eats Harrison say. in one go. <laughs> yeah. Nobody seems to care. <laughs> yeah, he eats the, the worm creature before it hatches, along with Harrison. And then sadly gives Harrison back. <laughs> oh my goodness. They're like the um, the local gerbil creatures that are on the planet too. Yeah, they were pretty cute. They were cute, yeah. Harrison almost killed one. He, he crushes a baby. the child one <laughs> in like the first 10 seconds of the episode. I feel like I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he flies now and then he crashes. You don't remember that? Yeah, I remember going, they fly now. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't remember him crushing the gerbil. Yeah, well, when the sloth spit him out. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I think I chose to forget. Because <laughs> it's fair. a gerbil. That's fair. They were very cute. One small note on the animation of it. A lot of the characters have the same static smiling face, even when they're delivering really important news. So at one point, it cuts to uh, Gus Bonner, the hero of the story. Oh, my God. And it zooms in on his face. And he says, all these people can die really dramatically. But he has the biggest smile on his face. So I don't <laughs> know how to take that. I don't know if it was coded in any way, but I thought it was hilarious. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like kind of dark. I don't know. There's some really great facial expressions. Yeah. <laughs> Again, every frame is a painting. <laughs> Just like cats. Painting. No, we're not making this about cats. <laughs> um, I was also confused about like with how the Stargate works in this universe because it looked like at one point Echo was dialing out to try to get back to Earth and then the Tlacon came through the Stargate and I'm like I'm pretty sure he just dialed out so how are they walking through the Stargate right now? In Sometime in the next five years Stargates will get an update where a dial out or in <laughs> is just an open network. Yeah I guess so. Yeah. Because I feel like that happens more than once when I'm like I think there's um, a later episode where one of the Tlacon is dialing out, but then some more Tlacon arrive. I'm like, that's not how that works. But do you remember, like, am I making this up? Maybe, like, back in the day when we had, like, landlines, Mm -hmm. if you had the phone up already and somebody called the landline. With dial-up internet? No, it would, like, connect right away because you were already on the phone. What? Did that not happen? Was no. that a glitch? No, like if you picked up the phone and I was in a different room and picked up a phone, could hear each other. It was on the same line. Is that what you're talking about? No, I think I either dreamed this or it was a glitch. <laughs> Must have been a glitch. Cause yeah, because I feel like I was. I had the phone up and then it like connected when they called in. Wires used to get crossed sometimes, so maybe that's what happened. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. 
I, I noticed at one point the uh, the gum monster, Doctor Grimes, the the pink dude. What was the his name? Gum right? monster? No, what, it's Nephestus. Nephesto, Nephestus. Sure. Not Mephisto. Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> there is Marvel fans. No. Um, oh no. He was communicating through a red orb at one point. Like he just picks up this like red circle. I guess the animator forgot mm-hmm. to put something in. He's remembering. There we go. Well, there's a similar device in SG One. Okay. Well, with the with the um, Glow Old, they have these long range communication devices. Who? Oh, that's a whole. It's a story. whole thing. Cool boy. <laughs> the, it's like the main enemy. Okay. The yeah, group. yeah. And but theirs are silver. It's okay. like these silver balls. They have like little personal ones you can hold in your hand, and then you also have like the giant ones for like super long distance. Ah. Okay. I like that the phone needs to get bigger the longer distance the call is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can like, and some I don't know that the little ones do it, but the big ones you can actually the person's face is displayed on it. So oh, a little bit cool. of. Video and FaceTime. <laughs> like Stargate predicted FaceTime. Yeah. So I think they were copying a little bit from SG1 on that. They made it a different color, but essentially the same device. Apple owes some royalties. <laughs> I liked, um, I made a little note here, uh, just the animation side. I like the megaphone that the lizard guy was holding. Uh-huh. And he was like shouting orders at them. And he's like, you know, telling them to like, you know, surrender and all this. He has this really intricate megaphone and it, it just, is like is it a toy they sold to kids is it just something really cool that they never touch base like, it, it was pretty rad i feel yeah. like everything in this show was designed to be a toy sold to children yeah i just don't think any of it ever made it to market well i want my lizard megaphone okay so. well <laughs> it kind of looked like those stadium speakers in condensed form you know the ones that have four parts to it yeah it looked like that but a little bit more condensed Okay. Because it had four sections. It was very square. But then this one was like colorful and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> so just like a boring steel gray. <laughs> oh, and um, I forgot to mention about the ancient. Well, we get to, we need to talk about the naming. Mm. The naming of, of the ancient. ancient. So definitely some racism. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> Armand, do you want to talk about it? Um, wow, I like how you're throwing all the racism stuff towards me. <laughs> we are <laughs> brutal. <laughs> the only time we've done that. How little you think of me. Yeah, no, I guess it was just really the, like, she's, she says her name, or they say their name. I forgot what their name was. They, no, she doesn't, she doesn't I could have sworn they came out, they said something, and then Harrison jumps in, he's like, oh, you remind me of my teacher, we call her a dragon lady, and then... They link on to the word dragon. They're like, Draga. Oh, that's my name now. And it's like I don't think she I don't think she had a name coming out of the pod though. No, she's probably she just saying something, something yeah. in her own language. Yeah. And Harrison was remarking on her voice and she heard the word dragon, was like, and couldn't say dragon. So it was like draga, draga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and they're like, well, like that's her name now. It's like Ellis Island all over again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what? Well, it's no, like, you're oh, wrong. you're Draga, sure. Like you're not wrong. You're not it. wrong. Yeah, so um, our new lady member of the team is called Draga. Um, and she also has some really vast powers. She can heal other people. She has this mental connection with Seattle. But I think she can also kind of read the minds of other people. It's kind of vague. But yeah. she can mm-hmm. at least kind of get a sense of what people are feeling and thinking. She is telekinetic. Mm-hmm. She can set things on fire. Jealous. Um, so I'm not, and well, because she has like a tail instead of legs, the tail 
helps guide her in the air because she has these giant wings so she can fly. She flies now? She flies now. She flies and then lands on her tail, which is kind of looks like a snake tail. Yeah. It's It's a little gross. Wow. (laughs) Why? It's very straight up ours. It's gross. I get with the with the snake tail on the ground, I feel like she kind of stands at like ten feet tall, basically. Yeah. No, she's she's probably technically longer than that with the tail, but that's kind of her standing height. Yeah. But yeah, she has a lot of powers. I'm like, what what could she not do? Well, she can't speak English properly, I guess. And she can't tell her whole planet's <laughs> life story like they were expecting her to. That was hilarious. Oh yeah. As soon as literally as soon as she hatches, they're like, Are you an ancient? Do you know the secrets of the Stargate? And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. They're like, tell us about your home world. She's like, guys, I've literally been here for like five seconds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just got my name like two minutes ago. Can we hold on for a second? Arzu, it's it's the greatest show. I know, I know. <laughs> Oh, uh, and at the very end of this episode, Bonner chooses a new place to go, and everyone's like, where are you going? And he says, somewhere. Great, Bonner, <laughs> thing. Great leader, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Trust me, LOL. Uh, episode two, though, Arza, how'd you feel about it? I, I cannot tell you the mental block I threw up about this episode. I just, uh, beyond her getting her name, <laughs> it ended, and I'm like, it's like those 25 minutes didn't happen. Just blipped out of existence. It, like the first one I got, because it was, I remember thinking that for a kid's show, they take a very long time to set things up. Then the second one just blipped out of existence. And then the third and fourth, I remembered because there were things that really jumped out at me. <laughs> okay, well, so let's get into the third one. Yeah. Um, okay, so Harrison breaks a shrine. Um, yep. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. And as consequence for this grievous insult the two mud creatures uh-huh. are like well he belongs to us no, now no that's no not what that's not what happens because nope. that's the part i remember because i had some thoughts because i could tie it back to sg no, he pushes over the shrine and he ends up falling into this mud river mm-hmm. and it's kind of drowning and one of the locals saves him that's when yeah. he's like he's ours now and so they have the locals have this custom where if you save somebody's life you now own them yeah. like, as property. <laughs> and um, Bonner and the whole team are just okay with this, that Harrison now belongs to this woman. And they, they're like, oh, they're, they're joking about it. They think it's yeah. funny. That's, that's my thing. It's like, this is so SG-1 for the culture to be like, incompatible with earth values and for them to be like well i guess that's how they do things here yeah except the only difference is this time it like impacts a member of their team as opposed to just like oh well a bunch of guys are attacking that lady right guess that's just how it's done here yeah. at least like this time it impacts harrison so i guess it is nice to see that as the the sgc does not demonstrate hypocrisy they will <laughs> turn a blind eye to atrocious practices no matter whether their team is involved or not. Yeah. Starfleet so, rules, yeah. yeah. It, this is like next, even Picard would draw draw the line here. No, don't you remember like Wesley Crusher like breaks something and they're like, oh, we have to put him to death. Like equally weird rule. And they're like, well, it's the prime directive. So I guess he has to die. Like they were, they were considering it <laughs> at is, one point. This is straight. It's the same thing. Yeah. This is also where Harrison starts using some really choice language, which uh, yeah, he's too quick to come up with some of, some of them. Which, oof, Chelsea, do you want to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, essentially, he sees all all these people are basically covered in mud, and Bonner kind of explains that that's 
basically how they survive on this planet because i don't know maybe the climate is in such a way that their skin needs to be protected by mud i'm assuming and harrison thinks it's gross and so he's just constantly insulting them yeah and calling them ugly and disgusting and mud, mud hand mud hand <laughs> yeah like just... he came he came up with some slurs because he couldn't think of and... any at this point, we also know that they can speak English, and this whole time he's just like talking smack about them in English in front of them. So, yeah. and can I? I know this is jumping a bit ahead, but can I? Can I talk about the moral of this particular story? Please, go for it. Here, set so, it up, set it up. So, you know, one of the aliens that owns Harrison now is a woman, mm-hmm. but because she is a big ball of mud, um, Harrison takes exception to this, and he's really upset, and he keeps calling them ugly and gross and mud hand and all that. And then they, they managed to, like, get his liberty. So they're about to leave. And the two mud beings are, like, rinsing off. And he realizes underneath their clothing and the mud and whatever is this gorgeous half-naked woman. Yep. And then and only then is Harrison upset that he's no longer her property. Yep. And yep. the moral here seems to be be nice to people because there might be a hot chick underneath yep mm-hmm. yeah excellent lesson right <laughs> yeah inside every mud creature is a hot woman yeah. yearning to break free be nice to ugly yearning people. to own you apparently <laughs> be nice to ugly people because they might actually be hot yeah. yep had nothing to do with her personality <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't know anything about her personality nope not at all Oof. harrison just really wants to be owned by the sexy mud lady i don't yeah i don't know you, there's no coming back from that there's really not it's a very problematic show when you talk about it <laughs> that are you said, just thinking you about it? it no i love it but it's like a lot of like i don't know well i mean i guess you could say like don't be like harrison where he's kind of just an a-hole throughout the whole thing and it's like hey kids don't be the main character that we're kind of hyping up to you right i do appreciate that the main a-hole of the show is the white boy <laughs> I mean, they got that right. The white himbo. I'm yeah. Like, okay. At least there's that. But like in the in that kind of charming late nineties, yeah, white boy kind of way. Yeah. He reminded me of like the one of the only times Link actually spoke. Do you remember that? Excuse me. Yeah. Like, he reminded me of that. Like he gave us that much energy. I, he didn't remind me of him, but I couldn't help but think every time he spoke, I'm like, they want him to be the Han Solo. This seems so bad. Oh, yeah, I can see that. And, like, it didn't work. He's not. What, Han but... Solo wasn't a racist? <laughs> I mean, shockingly, no. Uh, why shockingly? I don't know. There's something in that character to indicate that he would be racist. But, um, yeah, they wanted him to be Han Solo, and he's really not Han Solo. Yeah, because Gus Bonner is, like, too old to be, like, the sexy character. Echo is right there. <laughs> Echo is right there. That's fair. <laughs> Nobody got any taste. Huh. <laughs> oh, another power that Draga has is that she can open the Stargate by herself. Like, no device needed to dial it. I forgot about that. Somebody should send her to SG-1. I feel like they need her. Oh. You know. In case Daniel gets hypnotized by writing on the wall again or something and they almost lose the dial home device. Oh, okay. He's easily distracted. They well, need the worm. Lady. In the SG1 show, we will see some alien races who can dial the Stargate without using the dial home device. Well, there we go. Yeah. 
Are you looking at my very short notes? <laughs> no, I was just looking at what you had to say about episode four. I, I didn't write anything because I was just like, this is the great, I, I can't even pay attention. I need to just watch this. Like, I can't like divide my attention between notes. Who needs notes, right? Okay, so let's get into episode four. Okay. How does so it start? This, it starts with Harrison's, it's his birthday. And so they have cake, which is a very weird square shape. But it's not even like fully a square rectangle. It's a brick. It like has a groove in it. It's a know. brick that they put a candle in. It truly looks like a sponge. Seattle. <laughs> Do you remember when Seattle gave her like really sad backstory about birthday? She's like, oh, you know, like as long as it was like a, you know, it could have been like a cold burrito with a candle in it. I just wanted my dad to be there. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, they always just drop these really dark things and then move past it like nothing happened. Like this is, you know, I mean, the infamous scene with the birthday party where no one shows up. Like, yeah, they, they give Seattle and Echo some really harsh childhoods. And then move past it like, I oh, don't worry about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's because they're people of color. Yeah, exactly. Like the white people don't have these tragic childhood backstories. Because <laughs> so, white people don't have tragic lives. The yeah, it's like it's Sarah accurate in that way. <laughs> but yeah, we talked a little bit about Echo already growing up. It was in episode three too. We didn't we didn't mention that one. What about episode three? Was that the one with the snowballs or no? Snowballs. Nothing. It was like a flashback, and oh, was, was it one? this one? Because oh, this is all about Echo. Yes. Okay. It was all about Echo. This one. Yeah. This is the one where we go to Echo's home planet. Hmm. And learned that his people are also racist, but against him this time. Reverse he's racism. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they discovered that the, I'm not sure if we got a name for this alien race that Echo. Oh, the Rafi. 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 Okay, the Hrothi are also enemies of the Tlacan, and but they they don't like the SGC very much for reasons unknown. I guess they just generally like to keep to themselves. But they're like, oh, I guess this one guy from the SGC is kind of okay. So they decide that they won't kill them, I guess. I don't know. It was very unclear whether or not the Hirathi were going to help against the Tlacan or not. I mean, yeah. That's one of those... Uh... I swear every 90s show has this episode where like the the minority, the oppressed group uh-huh. are very isolationist and they're like, we're not helping you. I guess whatever, yeah. and it's like everybody can be intolerant, and like that's definitely the lesson yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that, and I feel like that's what was is happening. Echo one of the good ones. I e- Echo's different because Echo helps his friends. His English is so good, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just going from experience. <laughs> we do get to see the Tlacon's ships finally flying pyramids. They look like Mayan pyramids instead of Egyptian pyramids. Mayan pyramids this time. Mm. The ancient aliens guy was on something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so. He has an Echo shirt in one of the episodes. <laughs> like, I knew it. But it's not even that they're like in the shape of Mayan pyramids. It, they look like they're made out of clay. Yeah. So. I mean, they're keeping it consistent at least. I mean, the art budget was like $5. <laughs> they spent it all on the uh, aliens and... The voice actor. <laughs> yeah. 
Those moans aren't going to pay for themselves. Oh my god. <laughs> Everybody moans a lot in this show. Yeah, there is a lot of moaning. For reasons unknown. Yeah. Um, I did notice that Harafi had a lot of similar technology to the gold from SG1. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Armand. You know, <laughs> I'm just sitting about. here. Don't don't mind me. <laughs> uh, so they have crystals that store information, and then they have the transportation rings that the just like the Gwold have to get in and out of their big ships. Yeah. So they are definitely borrowing a lot of stuff from SG1, which is very very funny when you think about how removed from the rest of Stargate this show feels, other than the fact that they have Stargate. But you're like, no, at the end of the day, like the aliens are borrowing a lot of tech and like like so many of the concepts are the same that clearly they're not uninformed. It just feels like they are. Yeah. Oh, this was the episode where we learned that their vehicles are powered by batteries rather Mm -hmm. than gasoline. Mm -hmm. And they charge the batteries by using lightning directed through a cable. They Well, they simultaneously charge the batteries and the Stargate when the Stargate loses its power source. Yeah. Very Marty McFly way yeah, to do it. Back to the yeah. Future friends, yeah. So, and it's so weird. Cause like they have this cable and Draga just flies up into the sky, holding the cable and directs it towards a lightning strike. So the lightning strike hits the cable, like in the middle of the cable. She plugs it into the lightning. But it's not even the end of it. She just pl- she just she touches just, it to the lightning. Yeah, but and then and, and then magic. And then the charge travels through the cable uh-huh. to both the battery and the stargate. Uh huh. You asked too many questions. <laughs> There's a giant green person. There's a giant alien. Like you're sitting there going, "How does this lightning charge the wires that can charge the stargate and the battery?" Forgetting the fact that it was flown into the lightning by a worm lady. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like one day old at this point? Well, Echo would back me up on this. So it was only Bonner and Echo that went to Echo's homeworld, and they come back, and Echo was like, "What are you doing? How are you charging these batteries with lightning? That's not how you do it." But it worked. <laughs> Echo's just like I love him. Listen, but he's he's a bit of a non-believer in lightning. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't believe basic science he doesn't believe in science i mean it worked so clearly he's wrong yeah apparently echo is supposed to be like the mechanical guy he's just the teal well teal's not the mechanical no guy, but he's though. also the teal he's yeah. not the mechanical guy yeah but he's got the teal energy i feel like he's like a combination of teal and sam in a way because she would probably be the one f- figuring that out normally yeah well now there's a ship i hadn't considered Oof, i'm reading the wiki here uh-oh. About our friend Echo, there are theories that he might in fact be the true ancient, but due to the series canceling before any real plot change occurred, this was never confirmed. <laughs> I feel like we would have learned about that on his home world. Unless that was the season two plot twist. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, Wikipedia is clearly a very reliable source, so you gotta go based on that. Arzu, I think you wanted to mention something about how the episode ended. Is that the end of the episode? My quote? Pretty much. I don't remember the context for this. You should know. I just wrote it in my notes. Where there is a line where, again, don't remember the context, but somebody's like, I don't know how to talk to someone on his knees. And that just sounded so very dirty to me. And my first thought was, like, typically you're not talking. (laughs) But... 
you know. Especially the person on their knees. Especially if you're on your knees. <laughs> Good night, but everybody. Anyway. Join our Patreon for Waffles After Dark. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I don't, again, don't remember the context for this, but the line definitely jumped out because yeah. I have a one-track mind. There's a lot of weird lines in that show. I mean, so that's what she said, nightmare. Oh, my God. Is this a dog stream planet? Nothing but trees. I wrote that one down. <laughs> they arrive to like a forest planet in the second episode. And then what's that guy's name? Harrison. Mm-hmm. He like looks around and he just makes that joke to nobody. Nobody laughs. There's no pause for laughter from the audience. Like It just goes. It's because like, he's not even well, joking. Happened, and then it cuts. <laughs> he's not joking. It's an earnest statement. <laughs> it's a dog planet. <laughs> he's he's been like, to oh so my many. God, a dog planet. Nothing but trees. I like when they scream duck and then a bug flies up the screen. And, and you're they, like, that's not a duck. <laughs> that's not a duck. <laughs> and they replay, like, replay it after the credit or after the commercial break. Commercial breaks are pretty great in the show. <laughs> they come out like the perfect moments. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it's the best show. Right. Okay. Uh, so you want to talk about the women representation? Because... I wasn't sure how I felt about a woman alien being added to the team, but she's not really part of the team. She's not on any of the promotional material. She's not considered like one of the main five members of the team. I'm like, but she's there using her superpowers to help you. Is it because she's a plot point? I guess. Yeah, like she like because her joining the team was like the plot of the first two episodes. So they didn't include her in any of the promo material off the top, but the idea was like for season two, she would have been part of all the promo oh, stuff. Maybe. So you're saying this show passes the Bechdel test? Does it? Uh, I don't think it does. Well, I mean, Seattle, Seattle and Draga talk, talk. Yeah. About other, so I guess it does pass the Bechdel test, which is yeah. which is saying something because SG One usually doesn't pass the Bechdel test, yeah. at least not so far. I'm not sure if every episode does, but certainly the ones where Seattle and Draga are talking. But even just what we've recorded so far for SG1 versus this, in terms of sample size, yeah, this is already beating out SG1. That's true. I wonder, yeah, I'm just thinking about them, like, creating these characters, like, okay, we need a person of color, we need an alien, we need maybe two women instead of one this time. We need a hot <laughs> shot, and he has to be a white boy. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, a veteran, a strong male veteran lead to... Also a white man. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add about the person of color representation? Arzu looks at me. Well, because uh, I, I got nothing to add. Uh, I, I, yeah, I honestly don't have anything to say about it. I mean, it's... With the voice cast, the voice cast is mostly white. So the woman who voices Seattle is one quarter Cherokee and half black. And then there's a few minor characters voiced by POC. There's a guy, um, Blue Mankuma who voices a character named Halak in three of the episodes in the season. And he's also in an episode of SG-1, and which aired at this approximately the same time, within a few months of each other. So, so he was just on contract with Star Yeah. <laughs> he was on contract with MGM, I guess. So, yeah, overwhelmingly white voice cast. But I will say at least they attempted. Yeah, they did. In a way that, like other shows at the time, I don't think we're really doing. That's true. For its time, it was okay, I guess. Yeah. The racial slurs in the show were terrible. Awful. God awful. <laughs> but, like, it's one of those things where I'm like, I can tell you're trying, but it's not great. Yeah. 
I'm just picturing the kids watching it, thinking, wow, that's imitatable. You think there were kids watching this? (laughs) All two of them. (laughs) Marketed to six to 12 year olds. You think there was anybody watching this? Somewhere out there. Consciously watching this. In this big, beautiful world, there's at least one person who really liked the show. Yeah, I don't mean like mindlessly watching because it was in between two shows they wanted to watch more. I mean, like, like they needed to be there. Like, this was event TV. You think that was a thing? They were there for the season finale. Oh my god. They were in cosplay for it. <laughs> they own the PAL DVD. Armand, I think you mentioned in your notes that you kind of have to know what the Stargate is in oh order god, to understand yeah. and watch the show. So it being marketed towards children is kind of strange because the original movie is definitely not a children's movie. But you have to have some basic knowledge to yeah. understand the premise. And like even the opening song, like some of the visuals in that opening, like you're just watching these flashes on the screen before it kicks in with that kick-ass theme song which we have to play at some point yes yes and it like just shows all these flashes of like you know pyramids and then like these you know british explorers like pointing somewhere and then i'm watching this like i only know the movie Mm -hmm. i'm like okay i can get this but i'm like putting myself in the mind okay i'm you know what was it six to twelve year old kid watching this show no idea what a stargate is i'm like why are there egyptians why is there a pyramid? What's the circle? What's going like? There's so many questions in that first opening. Yeah. That don't. What in the movie? Oh, in the show. Oh. Like the opening of the show, like it's just rapid cutting all these things, I and think... it's like, what's going on? Like you have no idea. I think like for kids though, you present this kind of rapid cut whatever to them, they don't get it. But if they can follow the plot, they feel smart for having followed the plot because what plot <laughs> well whatever plot there is like episode to episode like they'll they'll get enough they'll get what they need out of it yeah i, I was just i was watching it i'm like i don't care i'm here for the visuals i'm here for a ride this is great <laughs> theme song's great it's my ringtone now <laughs> it it's a catchy song it gets in your head I was walking by, I, whist- I was, I think I was whistling it, and then you got caught in your head, yeah. Chelsea, and then I mean, <laughs> this seems, seems like a good place to play it right here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. we can't play it we could just sing it no we're gonna (laughs) karaoke if if we have a copyright issue with it we wind up having to cut it out of the episode we will link it down below yeah totally i just want to know like the one person who found the video or audio or wherever this is posted is like you know what that's our material that's our theme song and like they push that (laughs) button to monetize you know i want to meet them bold of you to assume this (laughs) you think like you think they'd want people to talk about the show I mean, it, it, it even says in the Wikipedia, it's like, uh, sum it up, it basically says nobody really cared, and then it just ended. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. it basically says that in reception, which is hilarious. 
but it's like it, it, it was constantly noted by the media, which is one of my favorite lines from this Wikipedia article. The show yeah. was of low budget. I never heard of it. I mean, it, I don't think it got marketing really because I never heard of it until starting this podcast. I'm like, where did this come from? Like, where was it? I don't think it aired on like normal US TV. Normal US TV. <laughs> this isn't normal TV. Well, like it didn't air on like the Cartoon Network or something like that. So, I mean, you know, we're giving everything a chance to reboot nowadays. I think we no? really, really, <laughs> really need a reboot no, of Stargate. No, we don't. Keep the animation style, keep the voice actors, <laughs> find them again. It's such a great, like, give it a shot. Like, grab a drink, you know, your beverage of choice and watch the show. That, that's that's my takeaway from this. This was hilarious. Like, you ask both of these two. They, I was laughing my head off the yeah. entire time. Watch it once and never again. <laughs> that's my takeaway. As if we're not going to go through the rest of the series. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, any final thoughts we haven't discussed already? Nope. None whatsoever. <laughs> Okay, well, next week we're going to be back with SG1. Season 2! Yeah! That's it for today. If you like our show, please take a moment to rate and review it. We would really appreciate that. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Fairless. Armand, where can everyone find you? LinkedIn? I don't know. (laughs) Sure. Sure. I don't really have an online presence. I just kind of pop in here and there, give my opinion, and then disappear. But yeah, no, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for being yeah. here. It was really fun watching you watch this show. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was the highlight. I wasn't watching it. I was living it. This was... <laughs> you really were. Oof. <laughs> Became your entire personality for two days, basically. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> two days. <laughs> two days, yeah. A week, at least. <laughs> personality of a lifetime. <laughs> Arzu, where can everyone find you? So you can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin, and you can find the rest of the Geeky Waffle on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are the Geeky We are the Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and we're at thegeekywaffle.com. That's where you can find all of our shows, all of our reviews. I write there, Chelsea writes there, all that good stuff. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash geekywaffle, where you can get things like our waffles after dark if you want to hear me carry on in a horny fashion without stopping myself. <laughs> yes. You have to talk about Echo, apparently. Apparently we do. Yeah. And I think with that, I got gate lag, so I'm out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.